With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right! All right! This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Here's In the Bonus with Doug Gottlieb. What up? Doug Gottlieb Show, the Bonus of the Gottlieb Radio. iHeartRadio app. So... Obviously, there's a lot of NFL football we talked about in the radio show. We can talk about it here. You know, I think... Um, I actually think this is an interesting thing. We'll, we'll get to the Mario Cristobal story in one second. But, Jay Stu, I, I actually want to bring you in on this. And if if you and Ramos don't have any idea or any opinion, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't matter. It actually may help the story. But... You're aware of what's going on in Israel right now, correct? Yes, tragically. It's it's just brutal. It is. It's terrible. And most people, if you Wikipedia, you know, I played in Israel. Both my parents are Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed. Um, I traveled to Israel going back, not this summer, summer before, coaching what's called the Maccabi Games, like the Jewish Olympics. My daughter came came with us. So, um, of course, I've... I've been there, I don't know, it's eight times. I've lived there for a year. I've actually, for a year, I had dual citizenship. And here's the the sports parallel I can make to it. Okay, I'm going to make a sports parallel with the Israeli uh, conflict by saying this. You know, so much of our mentality of what should happen or what's going on is because we we're not even 30,000 feet above it. We're, you know, 15,000 miles away or whatever we are, 8,000 miles away. And our perception is so different than the reality because we, it's, a, it's two completely different cultures. There's an incredible history to it. There's all these um, ancillary factors at play that, most people don't know anything about. And so when you have people who will take to media and social media and try and make some American argument, you know, like, for example, they'll make the Second Amendment argument. Well, see, if if Israeli citizens were armed, like none of this would have happened. Like, yeah, that's because you don't actually understand anything of the area or anything of the in, the, in Israel. Everyone serves in the army. And when you serve in the army, you can have a firearm. 
You can't. But you don't bring it with you to a rave. <laughs> you know, leave the gun, take, leave the gun, take the cannoli sort of thing. Um, but more than anything, like we're also not surrounded by enemies as Israel is. So do we have to arm ourselves? Because you could make the argument if you want to do the Second Amendment thing. If we want to play that game. We could say, well, more people die from gun accidents, let alone gun violence, you know, in, I don't know what it is, probably a month, then we'll die in Israel in this terrible conflict in our country. We, no one needs to come in and do it to us. We do it to ourselves. But regardless, the point is that whatever you think of the sides, the argument, the fighting, any of whatever you think of, you have no idea because you don't live there. You're not part of the culture. You don't understand so many of the factors at play. I bring that up because that's what I felt like with uh, USC kind of did the same thing. I don't know if you saw this, Chase, Stu. USC, they ran two plays when they were deep into field goal range in regulation. And Caleb Williams threw the ball on first down, and they weren't expecting him to throw it. And then on second down, they ran um, uh, they ran a read option, and he fumbled the football, and they nearly lost the game because of it. Nearly lost the game because of it. Or, I don't know, they wouldn't have lost the game. That would have gone to overtime. They ended up going to overtime anyway. But all they had to do was take a knee. The big story is Mario Cristobal. So Cristobal, of course, is the head coach at uh, Miami. Remember a couple years ago when he was the coach at Oregon, and they're off to a hot start. I asked him about uh, both the SC job and the Miami job, and he gave me uh, he gave me an answer that was unnecessarily defensive. I had to ask the question. And he seemed perturbed that he had to answer the question that everybody wanted to know. But Mario Cristobal has done this before. But they're, you know, you're at like 42 seconds. And I think that was Tim Hasselback who's broadcasting the game. Who's like, this is, he called it before it happened. He's like, this is a mistake. Just take a knee. They, do, they don't have any timeouts left. And then take another knee or run around and then, uh, punt the ball into the end zone, and you win the game. Instead, they ran the ball on third down, fumbled. And then the crazier part is, you know, they had two, I think a 40-yard completion and 35-yard touchdown where somehow Georgia Tech got behind the defense. It was almost like the players were throwing the game, although I don't believe they were throwing the game. But what happened after those last two plays is what I think likely happens this season. Like, there's just, you don't come back from that shit. You don't come back from that shit. At all. And I told you this, Jay Stu, in like our meetings, which is one of the things that gets exposed, and a lot of this is, we think that all these college football coaches are the best and the brightest and they know football and they understand they're sitting there clock time clock score got it down a distance okay got it and you realize that's not how it works in college football you know you come up through your position coach you come up with as a coach and as a recruiter because no one's ever done it without players and your ability to as a head coach your ability to accrue talent in both the coaching staff and on the team you have to recruit your boosters you have to recruit your president your ad people on campus. You got, you're a tireless recruiter. That's your first job. That's your most important job. Yeah, you have to present the message of the football program. 
the energy behind it. You got to help young men stay out of trouble. You got to help uh, uh, ha- hire the right people who can do the right evals. Then you got to be able to close those. The point is that the actual talent of coaching is not even fourth or fifth in terms of importance uh, in percentage of time. And I think that got exposed because it makes no sense. And I wouldn't far- fire Mario Cristobal for it, but if they did, I would understand. Because you you just can't. It, winning's too hard. It's too hard. But the here's the parallel to the Israeli conflict. You know, I've heard people say that it was because they were trying to get the running back 100 yards. Right? That's when you have all these outside influences. Players have agents now. You have parents. You have the player and what he's getting. And you have the NIL, the collective, and somebody footing the bill for that kid saying, I want, to, I want him to get 100 yards, want him to score. And you're you're getting distracted from what the main thing is. But also, we don't know all the things at play because we're not Mario Cristobal. We don't know. Like, was he? did he have to get the kid 100 yards? Was there some sort of agreement with him and his people? Is that what it was? And, and the inner workings of college football program, you just don't know from the outside, much like we don't know from the outside about things going on in different parts of the world. Here's Mario Cristobal explaining why they ran the football. And when the drive started, it was going to be at 157, you know, and um, we could burn about 127 off, and then it was recalibrated. I should have taken the timeout right there at the end. Thought he could get the first down, and you know, we talked about two hands on the ball, but that's not good enough. Just should have told him to take any in. That's it. Fumbled the ball at 25, and they went 75 yards in two plays. So I'm not going to make an excuse for it or say you should have done this or that. That's it. I know we should have should have done it. You know, sometimes just get carried away with, hey, just finish the game and run it. But I should have just stepped in and said, hey, just take a knee. Yeah, Crystal Ball's a former offensive lineman, and I do I understand there's a certain amount of force and will, and we beat you, and we can run the football and whatever. But just win the game. Just win the game. And winning is so hard. It's so hard. I mean, like, look at USC and Arizona. You know? I know people don't respect Arizona. Arizona's actually, Jed Fish has done a good job in in the portal. They got some big boys. They hit hard. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides. Arizona did. You know? And Arizona, I can't believe in the first overtime, they didn't go for two. Winning is so hard. If you got one play that you can win a game, you go for it. But Cristobal's answer still didn't really explain why. We wanted to run the football. Why? Why not just take a knee? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Let's get to what the Fox says. What does the Fox say? Here's Dan Patrick talking about Brock Purdy. I think the story, and I don't know if it's going to be the story, but I would like to at least push that agenda, and that is the brilliance of Brock Purdy. Because Brock Purdy is an MVP in a variety of ways. He makes less than a million dollars, so that helps them with the salary cap. That covers up the embarrassment of Trey Lance, and that can't be understated. But what he does when he's out there, and yes, does he have a lot of weapons? Yes. Does he have a very good defense? Yes. But they've had quarterbacks there in front of him, before him, and didn't get the same results. Kyle Shanahan has somebody that he can pretty much – channel his inner Kyle Shanahan too. And Brock Purdy has been a wonderful, wonderful quarterback. Last night you saw that in a matchup with Dak Prescott. And and you're probably going to get this question today. And I don't even know if it's fair, but you'll get this question today. Who would you rather have, Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott? Well, it's really no debate. Certainly not right now. now you look at the age and the cost, but also the efficiency. I mean, Brock Purdy plays good football. Brock Purdy would be one of those quarterbacks from the 70s. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the part that Dan nailed, but then kind of brushed over, glossed over, was the salary. You know, you got to make a guy who makes nothing, nothing, playing quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And was, was Dak the problem? Sure, but they also couldn't run the football. So look, Tony Pollard makes a lot of money. I mean, he's not, he doesn't make, um, he doesn't make what a superstar makes, like what Brock Purdy has behind him. But again, there's a $6 million difference between the running backs. There's also a difference in the overall skill position guys, because you have one guy making, you know, in the high twenties and one guy making less than a million dollars. So, what would Dak look like with that roster? I think pretty good. Uh, would he be as efficient as Brock Purdy? No. Does he have a little bit more big playability? Sure. But I also think that one of the things we did with Dak is one of the things we had to be careful of not doing with Brock Purdy, which is Dak was a fourth-round pick. Probably would have been a third-rounder if not for the DUI. Um, but there, there were reasons why. And for Brock, there are reasons why. There's some throws that he can't make. And he can't make. He can do a lot of really good things. And so it's not to say that San Francisco should ultimately ever move on from him. But, you know, when it does come his time to get his contract, understand that if you pay him like a star, he's not necessarily able to carry you unless he's surrounded by the stars he's surrounded by currently. 
It's an interesting thing. Here's Jonas Knox and LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, two pros and a cup of Joe, talking about Mario Cristobal and the decision to run the ball late instead of taking a knee. What the hell was Mario Cristobal doing handing the ball off instead of taking a knee? <laughs> With 30 oh. seconds left. I, I don't... I don't get it. I don't understand. This, look, there's always a reason and justification for things. They were trying to get Cheney the running back 100 yards. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. He was at 99 yards. They gave him another carry. He got four yards on it, then fumbled and boned him. And that's, and that's unfortunately a now teaching point for every coach in America and every team now moving forward. I think it was egregious. Their defense couldn't figure out a way of getting a stop on those two plays. But what's worse than that is it never should have came to that. And, if, and, and look, that's the rationale for what they were thinking. Obviously, the offensive coordinator is in charge of that. As a head coach, you got to step in and say, what are we doing? Kneel, kneel down Take the ball. A knee. Yeah. Like that, they play UNC this week. UNC, who's who's undefeated right now. Drake May is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. That may cost them a shot at the ACC championship game, and ultimately a shot at playing in the college football playoff. Um, look, the the hardest thing to do in college sports, okay is to, what's the LeBron James expression, keep the main thing the main thing. And usually it's hard because players have, let's just call them distractions. Right? Players have people in their ear telling them that they have to get 100 yards rushing. Somehow that changes them. And if you have any more than one agenda as a program, that agenda being winning, you're not going to win. Right? You're just not. And if that's the reason Mario Cristobal didn't make sense, that's an agenda that doesn't have to do with winning. Um, the crazy part about it is he lost a game at Oregon in kind of similar fashion. And the other part, and this was pointed out to me by a, by a college coach, is this is what's crazy about college coaching is so little of it is actually about how good a coach you are. Instead, it's about accruing, acquiring talent, evaluating talent, and then keeping that talent now, which is part of why you go for 100 yards. Right, which is, you know, does it does it fulfill the desires of a booster, of the people who paid the NIL, of the player, of the handler of the player, the agent of the player, instead of just win the football game? Nine nine yards, and we take a knee, and you know, um, we take a knee and have two negative plays, and we win the game. Looks a whole lot better than a hundred yards, and you lose the game. I mean, it's just the craziest thing I've ever seen to lose a game that way. Here's Colin Cowherd talking about Russell Wilson. So everybody keeps telling me this. Hey, Russell Wilson is not the problem. Who gives a rip? Is he the solution? The Internet's for blaming people. I need solutions. Is Russell good enough to be a solution? Joe Burrow, bad offensive line, and a coach with a losing record got to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow was the solution. Josh Allen, shaky O-line and run game for five years. His record's 55 and 26. He's the solution. Patrick Mahomes, receiving core, young, not that talented. They won again. He's the solution. Justin Herbert, we don't like the coach. He keeps winning. He's the solution. The internet and Twitter's for blame. I don't care. Once you pay a quarterback big boy money, if he's not special, you become the Titans and the Vikings. The Titans have a great coach. Feels like the Vikings always have a world-class receiver. We don't consider them Super Bowl viable. I don't think Russell Wilson's the primary issue here either. 
But once you pay a quarterback that kind of cash, he's got to be the solution. And I'm not sure he's that. Uh, I, you look at the last play of the Broncos' loss, you know, or the last important play. They're down, what, four, and he rolls to his left, and he ultimately fumbles. They pick it up. They run it back for a touchdown. And we think back to Russell Wilson previously in with his time in Seattle, and that was a play in which he found a way to get out of the pocket, set his feet, make a play. That, that athleticism is just gone. Gone. <clears throat> and what's interesting is usually we think of athleticism being gone, being after the outside of the pocket running for a first down, and that, you know, the Cam Newtons, maybe Lamar Jackson. Mike Vick never really lost his athleticism, wasn't as explosive as he used to be. But for Russell Wilson, he just had this pocket mobility that was amazing and the ability to set his feet and make throws. And he does not seem to have that anymore. He is definitely part of the problem. And that's what the Fox said. What does the Fox say? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Here's Jason Stewart with What's Annoying Him. And now, it's your annoying. Hey, Doug, um, the Colorado Buffaloes just escaped um, Arizona State on Saturday. And Arizona State was 1-5 coming in, and they, they had been shut out by Fresno State. That's how bad they are. And Colorado needed to fight late to uh, to win the game. And Dion's son, Shadur Sanders, goes up and he does his uh, Rolex flash to the student section. Um, the the exact like opposite of humility. Um, your buddy, Danny Cannell, had a great tweet. He said, if there was a Heisman for beating one in five teams, this guy would win it. That's a great tweet. Um, but... Then our guy, Mike Hill, I've worked with Mike over at Fox, right? He says, D, you're my guy, but why are you hating on this kid? We loved money making Manziel's money sign. 
how come folks are so pressed at this celebration? He's trolling them for trolling him and calling him overrated. Um, before you say they're one and five, if your team is one and five, you shouldn't shouldn't talk shit. I and the implication there is that we we celebrated Manzel and now we're hating on Shadur, and I'm guessing there's some racial aspect to it. Um, the whole thing is classless. No matter what color these kids are, it's classless, and that annoys me. You couldn't. You, you nailed it. You know, you absolutely nailed it. It's you win with class, you lose with class. It's classless. That's what your your Dion he can say all of the right things. He can say all of the right things. The reality is his son is acting like an asshole. Right? Like, has he made a bunch of money in name image like us? Yeah. Would he make any of that money if his last name wasn't Sanders? Like, honestly, his dad is the is the one who's crazy. He's a Born on third base and thinks he hit a triple kid. And then he, you, you win a game. And look, you're allowed to celebrate. You're allowed to wave goodbye to the fans, you know, blow kisses as you run off the field. But it's just douchey what they're doing. And like everyone knows it. And this is and Mike is part of the problem. He's making it about race. Just there's plenty. Of, first of all, plenty of people had problems with Manziel stuff. Okay. Plenty of people had problems with Manziel stuff, with the act, with the off the field stuff. And oh yeah, by the way, the Manziel stuff, by the way, did spiral completely out of control where there was this there was a lot of the same, oh, you guys just don't get it. It's Johnny Good Times, Johnny Football, he's just living it up. Not that Shador would go the path there, but part of it is we've learned from this in the past. But also, he didn't go by and flash money and because there was also some innuendo with weed, right? With the money, money symbol, whatever. It wasn't as in your face like that I have money and you don't. It, it's so weird. And I, I understand on one level that, hey, there's plenty of people of color like, man, this is our group. Dion's our guy. We grew up idolizing him. He walked it. He talked it. He won. He's, he's made it. That's great. And he, if he brings more people to the, to the game of college, Division One college football, they feel like they've been locked out. That's fine. Okay. But remember, you become a representative of your culture. You become a representative of your culture. Is that what you want? I don't care if you want a game against Arizona State or if you want a game against USC. You don't go over and flash like you got a fucking watch. What, what, when did this become a, when did this become a, like, I let my players do it? You're either coaching it or allowing it. And Dion's not holding up to either. So, Doug, um, just this kind of went under the radar this weekend, but there's a point that I want to make. Uh, Jonathan Taylor signed an extension with the Colts and makes him one of the highest paid running backs. An odd move by the Colts. I'm guessing there are some front office types that are like, Ugh, I don't know why you're paying that much for a running back anymore. But anyways, and Jonathan Taylor himself said, you know, this this is great. This 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 means that that running backs can be valued. You know, um, the irony of it, Doug, is that he went out and 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 basically stood on the sidelines for Sunday's game because backup running back Zach Moss rushed for 165 yards and two touchdowns. 
And I don't think Jonathan Taylor, his representation, or maybe anyone in the close front office understands the irony of that. That you just gave a massive contract extension to a player at a position that is so interchangeable that his backup went for 165 and two TDs. So much, Zach Moss was so good yesterday that the guy that you just paid a ton of money wasn't even included in plays towards the end of the game because the guy was doing so well. I don't think they understand the irony of that. In the, in the same weekend, the Colts proved that you could definitely value a running back by by paying him high, and then they proved that how interchangeable the, the, the running back position is. It's it really amazing how how they kind of cowered to this thing, right? The 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 Colts did. I mean, really kind of interesting. The other part to it is the Colts have lost Anthony Richardson for four to six weeks. He's probably done for the year, right? He's already gotten hurt. This is the second time he's gotten hurt, and it's his shoulder, and he needs time. But I will tell you, with Jonathan Taylor, that becomes a really good team because now you have a more veteran quarterback who in Gardner Minshew, and then you have a guy who's a running back. I, I, do I think Gardner, that, that Jonathan Taylor's way better than his backup? Of course I do. But I do think, you know, like anything, there's a cost-benefit analysis. I can't tell you unequivocally who won. They probably both won. They both lost. He's not in the Christian McCaffrey realm. He's not in. And we don't know, you know, a $26 million guarantee, that's the second most guaranteed. But that's um, that, that's the Christian McCaffrey who's, you know, at 30. He's at 26. But my guess would be it's somewhere in the 12 to 13 a year range, which is you know, what all the, all those top guys, that's what they all make outside of Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, it's interesting that I, I think this will be deemed a win for running backs, but the reality is unlike quarterbacks or wide receivers who keep building on whoever the top guy is, they seem they're still stuck at 12 million. I, do I love the deal? I do not. But I also know that he's a really good player and he's young. Uh, the downside is he's coming off of an injury. Who else is annoying you? Uh, you know, I love Micah Parsons, but he the last couple of weeks, I like him because he talks a lot and he says a lot of interesting stuff. You know, last week he was featured on this segment because he said that it's Rodney Harrison's job to uplift the players, and that's just bullshit. Uh, Micah Parsons, after the game yesterday, had this comment. Like I said, we beat ourselves, and we need to be in better position to make plays and things like that. Sometimes you got to look at these losses as a blessing and just say thank you. That's curious. Thank you and a blessing. But the first part is what what's an, what annoys me, and it maybe probably speaks to like I don't know tone deafness or denial or what. But anyone who watched that game saw a team that was out schemed, out coached, and manhandled. Like the the other team was much more physical than that. The Forty Niners are a better team, and for Micah to say that that. Um, for Micah to say that we – what was that? What was the first part of the comment? Play that back. Like I said, we beat ourselves. That's right. That's right. And okay. we... For Micah Parsons to say we beat ourselves, I don't think that was the case at all last night. They, just, they got punched in the mouth and run over, and then they didn't even see what hit them. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what he's talking about. It's it, it's it, it feels a little Baghdad Bobby. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's annoying, but – is that all you have? Because I would say if those are the three annoyings, then, I mean, it's pretty simple what I would, right? I mean, Shador Sanders is a no! Why are we- 
are we doing this? Why do I? Because we can. I don't, as misinformed as this is, and as dumb as it is, the Jets actually seem to use this Nathaniel Hackett thing as motivation. So yesterday, uh, this was caught on a hot mic. This was a, a group of Jets, including Zach Wilson, uh, doing some kind of um, a hype speech. It's a great speech. Uh, and th- this coming off of a story that anybody on the Broncos defense, anybody on the Broncos defense is available via trade if uh, if, if so desired. Uh, all right, let's get to our pick of the day. Okay, sir, the bet is to you. All in, baby! It's time for the pick of the day. Ah, pick of the day. Take it on the Packers. This will be a de facto Green Bay Packer home game. And I know they lost to the Lions 34-20. Uh, they made some mistakes as well, and the Lions pretty good. I think they bounced back and beat the, beat the, the Raiders tonight. Um, if you look at the line, okay, the Packers are a two-point dog on the road. And the Raiders, they're one and three. And you go back to last year, they just this team just finds ways to lose games. Um, I'm going to take the, the Packers straight up. And if you want to say, hey, the, the Packers, you know, what's it like of getting them getting a road win, especially considering, you know, Vegas has only played one home game to date. Green Bay will travel so well for this game. I, I don't really feel like it's a, a Raider home game. All right, that's it for the In the Bonus podcast. Check out the radio show daily, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, 12 to Pacific. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is In the Bonus. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm saleya mosin and i've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.